Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. You guys are sounding amazing this morning. Why don't you go ahead and take your seats? It is so great to have everybody with us in church, both gathering in the room and also for every single one of you that are watching and tuning in online, you are equally just as much as part of our family as everybody that's gathering here in person. And today's gonna be a great day because we are kicking off a brand new series called The Pursuit of Happiness. So we're gonna be getting into that in just a moment. But but can I just say from the off, like if you were here on Wednesday night, for volunteer night. I just want to sell it. Wasn't that a great night just in the life of church? And we were joined by Pastor Steve Gamble from Life Church in Bradford. And we just had an amazing night of just gathering as all of the incredible volunteers that simply commit and sacrifice so, so much every single week to make church happen. And I just want to go online and say thank you. If you've made Liverpool One Church your home and you serve on a team and you just help people each and every Sunday and help us as a church change lives for Christ one life at a time. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. But also, if maybe you have not yet made that decision to be a volunteer, then I wanna say, man, get yourself out to the info point in the foyer straight after church today and just say, hook me up, sign me up because we would love to have you as part of our volunteer army. So today, we're gonna be starting our brand new series that's called The Pursuit of Happiness. And here's a couple of like caveat statements I'm just gonna make from the off. And that's really that this series is not about self-help, neither is it about us trying to only provide you with practical examples from Scripture of how to have a better life. But actually, the pursuit of happiness entails the idea that we believe that when you follow Jesus, He makes you better at life and your life better. And we just wanna talk very openly and practically about the ways in which that can actually happen for you. Because each and every one of us is on our own journey. We're pursuing our own dreams. We're pursuing our own ambitions. So we just wanna look at the very holy scriptures of God today and say, Father, teach us what can we learn? And you know what? The last thing you need is another word from me. So before we jump into it, would you do the honour of just praying with me for a moment? Heavenly Father, I'm gonna ask you to breathe your life over every single one of these words that comes out during this talk today. As we start this brand new series, Lord, we want to feel like we're growing closer in our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that these principles and precepts that are hidden treasures in your word would become life to our souls today. And our prayer is that when we leave church, that we would all feel like we have just heard from you. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody at home and in the room all said, Amen. Well, hey, listen, I don't know about you, but just before Christmas, we ended up going around the Trafford Centre in Manchester. I don't know whether anybody's been there recently, but one of the things that I noticed was that there were just so many of these like 
pop-up sales stores right in the middle of the walkway between the two sides of the shops. I mean, like, everywhere you went, there was a pop-up of Sky TV. Then 100 yards further on, there was Virgin Media. And then a bit further on, there was Vodafone. And then somewhere further on, there was like a home insurance thing. And then somewhere further on, there was like BT. And everybody is really pitching for your business. Everybody's trying to sell you something. Everybody's always got the next best thing and the next best deal and like something that you need for your life. And if you don't have this in your life, then you're going so without and you're gonna be affected because you're made to feel like all of your friends have got this thing, but you need it in your life too. And honestly, it kind of infuriates me a little bit. It infuriates me so much sometimes that whenever there's like a, a heavy sales pitch, it makes me retract and it makes me like almost wanna makes me want to fight someone, you know? I'm like, stop trying to sell me Sky TV. I've already got Sky TV. Stop trying to sell me all of this stuff all of the time. But you're the same as me. Sometimes when we're out in our city center, it can very much so feel like, man, here's the RAC, here's the AA, everybody's trying to sign us up to the next deal. You can rebuff their advance really easily because like you're really strong, aren't you? Whenever someone's trying to sell you a bad idea or something that you don't need, something that you don't really want, something that's not gonna be good for you, you are pros at saying, nope, that's not for me. I don't need that in my life. That's not something that I need. I don't need it in my home. I don't need that in my family. Like you're as strong as I am when it comes to just rebuffing people and their technical advanced sales techniques. But I do have a problem and I suspect that many of you have a problem too. But let's just press pause on the problem. One of the things that I think that we'll all agree on is that if we're gonna pursue our dreams, our goals and ambitions, I think that we'd all agree with this statement. And that is the direction of your life is determined by the quality of the decisions that you make. In other words, if you make wise decisions, if you make good choices, if you make good decisions, it's probably gonna end up taking you to somewhere that wise people, good people, smart people end up living. Why? Because the direction of your life is always determined by the quality of your decisions. And the equal is true in opposition also. So if you make bad choices, if you make some dumb decisions, if you make some unwise shouts in your life, chances are it's gonna direct the path of your life to a place where you probably don't ever want to end up. But it's absolutely true, right, that if you wanna end up somewhere good, then chances are you're gonna have to make some good decisions. If you wanna end up somewhere bad, then you can just go ahead and make some foolish decisions. But I have a problem when it comes to making decisions. And maybe you do too. In fact, the problem for me is real. It's a big problem. I have this problem which in my life looks like this. When you try and sell me a, a good idea or a bad idea, like I'm not interested. When you try and push heavy sales tactics towards me and shape the way I think, I'm not open to that conversation at all. But there is somebody in my life that really does have such a huge influence over the decisions and the choices that I make. There is somebody in my life that is proving to be problematic because actually they're like, you know, they're like the genie that just sits on your shoulder whispering to you all of the time whenever you're trying to make a choice or a decision. And what I have found through my own history is often they will ill advise you. And my biggest problem might even be the same as your biggest problem. 
Because my biggest problem is not you. It's not the guy selling Sky in the Trafford Centre. It's not the guy at the RAC stand in town. It's not my friends. It's not my family. My biggest problem when it comes to learning the art of making wise and smart and good decisions and choices, my biggest problem is this guy. Right in the mirror, the person looking back at me, he is my biggest challenge. Because for me, I find that he tells me lies. Sometimes he can be a little bit deceitful. Oftentimes he has a way with me that makes me think nobody else would be able to have an opinion on that. He has a way with me and oftentimes thinking that he knows way more than even my closest friends and my closest family members. He's got a way of making me think that ideas that I would say would be bad for you are in fact good for me. He has got a way of making me think like this could be a brilliant idea when deep down, if I was really to examine it, this would be a horrific idea. This guy has got so much influence over me, if I'm honest, sometimes he even thinks he knows better than Jesus. Sometimes he even thinks he knows better than God's holy scriptures. Like I could know what the Word of God teaches on a subject, but he has got a way of making me think like that applies to everybody else, but maybe it just doesn't apply to me. He's got a way of twisting the way that I formulate and make decisions. He affects the choices that I make. So if he is my biggest problem, and maybe the person that looks back at you when you face the mirror is your biggest problem, what do we do with him or her? Like what's the answer to that problem? I think that if we're going to start this series off on the right path, we've all got to learn the art of asking the person looking back at us in the mirror this one question. Are you telling me the truth or are you selling me a lie? Like, are you telling me the truth or are you selling me a lie? And that's the question that I want you to start to ask yourselves today. Are you telling you the truth or are you selling you a lie? Because when I track back to all of the foolish decisions that I've made in my life, when I look back at the things that I regret the most, do you know what's most disconcerting and worrying for me? When I consider the person who either came up with that idea or signed off on that idea, it was this guy in the mirror. So this is a huge problem because what it tells me is that I am very capable of making some dumb and some foolish and some unwise choices. This guy is my biggest problem. So I'm having to learn the art of asking him the question, are you telling me the truth or are you selling me a lie? Selling me a lie that one day I'm going to regret. Selling me a lie that one day I'm going to resent that I ever did that with him, with her, went there. Are you telling me the truth or are you selling me a lie? You know, if the direction of our lives is determined by the quality of our decision-making ability, it's funny that King David even writes into this whole idea. In fact, in the book of Psalms, which is really just a collection of just wise sayings, David relates to this very point. In fact, he says this in Proverbs, sorry, not Psalm, Proverbs 27. He says that the prudent see danger. In other words, 
when you're wise, when you're smart, you have an ability to not play life in just the short term. Like you consider life looking at the long game, the long term, the long plan. And the prudent are able to see when danger is coming, even if it's a million miles away on the horizon. Prudent people have the ability to see trouble coming before it even arrives. Prudent people, wise people, smart people are able to see that if I make this decision today, this could cause me grief in my future. And he goes on to say, but the prudent see danger and take refuge. In other words, they don't just become aware of there being a problem and then do nothing about it, but they take responsibility. They take refuge. They redirect their decision-making ability. They change their choices because they can see that on the horizon, if you go there, if you do that, if you make that choice, it can be detrimental to you. So they take avoiding action, but then he contrasts it. And this is brilliant. And I find me in this statement because he's told us what prudent and wise and smart people do. But then he goes on and he says, but simple people keep going and pay the penalty. Simple people. In other words, people who are somewhat more foolish, who aren't wise, who don't do the smart thing, who aren't making wise choices. It's not that they can't see that there's trouble on the horizon. Oftentimes they can. But their issue is they can see the trouble, but they don't take any avoiding action. In other words, it's kind of like, I'm gonna live life for today and only today and try and convince myself that the decisions and the choices that I make today won't affect me in my tomorrow. So therefore, I'm gonna live for now, live for the moment, irrespective of the consequences. And he's saying prudent people see the danger and take avoiding action, but simple people, well, they're gonna pay the penalty. In other words, they're gonna be a recipient of the carnage, of the train wreck, of the bad decisions that they make. And that's why you and I both know what it's like sometimes to have regrets, just to have areas of our life that when we think back upon them, it might be a relationship, it might be a career choice, it might be a financial decision, it might be something that you've done within your family. Like when you look back on that, it makes you cringe and wanna die from the inside because you know that there was a better way and it was foolish. So... What can we do to help us see the danger ahead? Like, what can we do to try and avoid the danger? Well, it starts off by recognising this one truth, and that's this. The easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. The easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. And this is true also. The hardest person to lead is the person in the mirror. And that's what I'm finding in my life. And chances are it's the same thing that you're finding in your life. Because again, think back to your worst decision. Think back to your biggest regret. Think back to the time when you made a dumb choice, a dumb thing. Think back to how during that time, it's almost like you figure out now that back then you had a tendency to deceive yourself because... During the time that you were making your decision to do whatever it is that you now regret, you know that there was somebody in your world just kind of saying, hey, are you sure you wanna do that? Like seriously, like is that the wisest thing to do? Like you know that there was somebody in your world, it might have been your mom, it might have been a brother, it might have been a friend, it may have been your life group leader. You know that there was somebody in your world saying, hey listen, seriously, if you go there, 
Nothing good is going to come out of that. Or if you spend the night, or if you get with, or if you invest there, chances are, as you look back, you know there was somebody in your world saying, that's not going to be a wise thing. But here's the problem. You did it anyway, didn't you? And you know it because you're the same as me. Why? Because this person in here is the hardest person to lead. And this person in the mirror is the easiest person to deceive. He tells you lies. And all along the way, you told yourself on your way to making your biggest regret. It's going to be fun. It's going to be worth it. Nobody will ever find out. This isn't going to be a big problem. This isn't really going to be a big deal. Hey, this will never affect my faith. Hey, it's only a couple of times. Hey, like you sell yourself all of these ideas that you would say to somebody else. Oh, don't do that. But for you, you manage to convince yourself and you're heading there. You're doing it. You're making the choice because the easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. And here's the reason why. He lies to me. <laughs> he tells me lies. Now, he tries his best not to tell you lies. He tries his best not to be dishonest towards anybody else. But when it comes to me, he has this habit of just telling me untruths. And that's why when you look back over your biggest regret and you ask yourself the question, what was I thinking? That's the problem. You weren't thinking at all because you weren't thinking what you were doing was you were selling yourself a really bad idea. You were selling yourself a really dumb idea. You weren't thinking, you weren't being smart, you weren't playing the long game. You were selling yourself a bad idea. And it was a bad idea that nobody else would have bought. It was a bad idea that you would struggle to sell to anybody else. It was a bad idea that nobody else would ever have bought into because they would have been able to see it coming a mile off. But when it comes to you selling you, I'm the biggest purchaser of my own bad ideas. And you're the same as me too. Because the only bad ideas that I buy are the ones that I sell myself. And this is because we're not hardwired to make wise choices. It's like we don't find making the wise choice, which is often the hardest choice, the most natural thing for us. That's why we stay with him, even though he treats you like that. That's why you applied for that, even though you knew it was going to take you a million miles away from the people that you love. That's why you thought that that would be okay, even though it would harm detrimentally your relationship with God. This is why we make these decisions, because we're not hardwired to make wise choices. I mean, think back to that bad relationship. Think back to that horrific investment. Think back to that crazy one night you had. Think back to that weekend away. You were the biggest salesman in your own head and you bought everything. But this isn't a new problem. The idea that we th sometimes think that we are in charge of our own destinies and we only are the people that know best for our life. In the Old Testament, there's a book called Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was deemed to be a prophet. In fact, he actually had this kind of a cool job whereby he was like the senior advisor to a series of kings that ruled the kingdom of Judah. But Jeremiah didn't have it easy. And the reason why he didn't have it easy was because one of the first kings that he was the advisor to was a teenage king whose name was Jehoiakim. 
Now, Jehoiakim caused Jeremiah huge problems because at the time, Jehoiakim and the nation of Judah were actually paying every single year like an annual surcharge to Babylon for like military protection. It was like their protection racket money, okay? And they were paying Babylon, who was ran by King Nebuchadnezzar, this amount of money every single year. But going completely against Jeremiah's advice, Jehoiakim decided, actually, nah, I don't wanna do that anymore. Like, this is my money. This is my kingdom. I'm the guy around here. I'm gonna make the best choices. So what he decides to do is cut that annual payment to Babylon. And Jeremiah sees trouble on the horizon. Because not only did Jehoiakim stop the payment, he then did something that was just crazy in their culture. Jehoiakim then decided to go completely against Babylon and side with Babylon's arch enemies, Egypt. So what happened now was Jehoiakim was previously paying for military protection from Babylon. He now goes and literally turns the tides and he flips the team that he's now gonna be supporting. He now goes and plays for Egypt and Jeremiah sees trouble on the horizon. Because Jeremiah knows King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who had only recently been defeated by the Egyptian armies, he knew that he would be earnestly trying to seek revenge. So Jeremiah goes to Jehoiakim and he says to him, you know, and this is me paraphrasing, Jehoiakim, this is crazy. Don't do it. Turn away from this. It's a bad choice. It's gonna put your life in danger. It's gonna put your kingdom in danger. Don't do it. And what does Jehoiakim do? Well, he's a teenager. He knows everything right. He says to Jeremiah, I'm not interested doing what's right. This is the decision that I have made. And lo and behold, just a short time later, Nebuchadnezzar takes his army from Babylon, surrounds the city that Jehoiakim is in, and then Nebuchadnezzar has this weird, strange thing going for him, right? He doesn't, he doesn't collect stamps or coins. He collects kings. So what he does is he surrounds the city. He eventually chains up King Jehoiakim, having caught and captured him, takes him back to his palace, removes his ability to see. He's now blind, chains him up and parades him around his courtyard in front of all of his fancy friends and dignitaries. And all the time, if only he'd have listened to Jeremiah. But what's interesting is it's funny how sometimes the decisions that we make don't just affect us, they affect us all. So now Jehoiakim, who is blind and imprisoned and chained and being paraded around the palace of Nebuchadnezzar, he now gets to hear that Nebuchadnezzar has appointed Jehoiakim's son, who's called Jehoiachim. Try and practice this in your preach, right? We've got Kim and we've got Chin, okay? So now we've got King Jehoiachim, who's been positioned as the newest king, and he's been enthroned by Nebuchadnezzar, which all sounds great on paper. If it didn't last more than just a few months and then Nebuchadnezzar has a change of heart, goes back into the kingdom and because he doesn't collect stamps or coins, he collects kings, he then captures Jehoiachim and drags him and removes his ability to see and chains him up. And he's now in the palace with his father and it just seems like there's one bad occurrence after bad occurrence after bad occurrence and it all came. Why? Because Jehoiakim had sold himself an idea that nobody else would ever have purchased but he thought it was gonna be amazing for him. But it doesn't even stop there because then the next king of the kingdom, Zedekiah, well, the scriptures are really clear about him because in essence, it says that he was the one that did evil 
in the eyes of God. And he was the one that was the last king and ruler of the kingdom. And it all started, right, with just one person refusing to see that sometimes the person staring back at us in the mirror lies to us. And he tells us that some ideas are great, that are actually horrific ideas. And when you've already bought your idea, it's very hard to listen to anybody else tell you that that's not a great idea. And Jeremiah, and this is where we're going, Jeremiah knew of this and was writing about his experience being this senior advisor to all of the kings. And he makes this statement in Jeremiah 17, verse nine. He says this, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things. In other words, he's saying, look, my heart, your heart, our hearts, they are deceitful among all other things. It will tell you a lie. It will tell you fibs. And I find that Jeremiah's use and choice of adjectives in that scripture interesting because he doesn't say that your heart is dishonest. And it's obvious to me now in reflection why he would not use the word dishonest, but instead deceitful. Because when someone's dishonest to you, it's like it's black and it's white, it's night and it's day, it's clear. It's abundantly clear that when somebody's being dishonest to you, you don't wanna buy their idea. That they're trying to sell you, you don't want a part of that, right? But when someone's deceitful, it's kind of like there's a bit of truth, a half truth, a quarter truth, and they make everything like a colour of grey, and it's a bit slippery, a bit slidery. You don't really know where they're going and what they're doing. You don't really know what's happening. That's why in your life, it's the same as mine. It's always difficult when you're dealing with people who are deceitful and not honest, dishonest. Because when someone's deceitful, you can just call it out. But when someone, sorry, when someone's dishonest, you can just call it out. But when someone's deceitful, it leaves you feeling like something's not right, this is wrong, they're being away, they're acting away, and it makes it very difficult sometimes to call it out. It's not obvious. And Jeremiah was saying the same thing happens to you with the guy looking at you in the mirror. He was saying, this guy, he's gonna deceive you. He's gonna try and tell you that some ideas are great ideas when really they're horrific ideas that you shouldn't go near at all. He was saying, your heart can be dangerous for you. He was saying that your heart can lead you to a place in life that you never want to end up in. Why? Because your life will always travel towards the direction according to the quality of the decisions that we're making. This is how life works. But it's not just a, a one-time, once-in-occurrence kind of problem with our heart. He goes on and he says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Check that, like there's no fix for this. Your heart is going to lie to you. It's gonna tell you some fibs. The person looking back at you in the mirror is going to be dishonest to you, tell you to do things, tell you to go places, tell you to be a particular way. And he's got the knack down to a T of making you think like this would be a great idea, but it's not. And how does that happen? Because our hearts, they're deceitful, they, they kid us, they, they tell us fibs. So I guess that my question for each and every one of us is can you be honest with you? Like, 
as we all try and follow Jesus and live a life that's gonna chase our dreams, chase our ambitions, chase our goals, that's awesome and that's great, but that's only gonna happen if you start to be honest with you. And it starts, I think, by you asking you the question of, are you telling me the truth or are you selling me a lie? Are you telling me the truth or are you literally in the process of selling me the very next thing that I'm gonna regret abundantly? Like, which way is this going? Are you telling me the truth or are you selling me a lie? And I think that the real problem is that we're not always able to understand what's truth and what's not because he tells fibs to me and he or her will tell fibs to you too. So maybe there is a way out of this. Maybe there is a question that you can start to ask you. Maybe there's a statement that you can learn that might help you make better choices. Maybe there's a statement that if you were to learn the art of embracing it, it would help you see danger coming on the horizon and then take avoiding action. So you never end up living in that life filled with regret and filled with the mistakes of your past decisions. Maybe there is something that you can do and practically learn, like saying to yourself, I will not lie to myself even if it makes me feel bad. Because that right there is the main reason why you buy the lie. You buy the lie in the same way that I buy the lie because it makes you feel good. So in order for us to stop trying to buy the lie all of the time, you've gotta to come to grips with the concept that sometimes if you are not gonna to lie to yourself, you've gotta know that there'll be times where you feel bad about yourself. And then maybe there's just one word that you can start to ask you. Every time you look in the mirror and you're trying to make a decision, every time that you've got something going on in your head that's saying, hey, this would be great. Why don't you just sneak off there? Why don't you just run away here? Why don't you go and invest there? Why don't you get with him? Why don't you get with her? Why don't you do that course? Why do you even need to go to church anyway? Hey, do you even need to be part of a life group anyway? What benefit do I get out of this anyway? When all of these questions and choices and decisions start to arise in your mind, maybe there's one word that you can just tag on to the end of every question that you ask you that will be the difference between light and day. It will be bring the colour back into your ability to make decisions. And it's one word, really? Really? So like, why do you keep going out with him? Really? Why do you want to run away with her? Really? Why do you want to stop coming to church? really? Like what's really going on? What's the actual motivation of your heart? Do you really want to make that investment with your finances right now? Really? Do you really want to make that decision that's going to take you 100 miles away from your family? Like really? Is this the wisest thing? Really? Is this what you really want? Is this where you really want your life to head in? Because I promise you, you have got to start to interrogate the person that sells you the worst ideas in your life the most. Like, is this the best thing for you really? Like, what's the reason why you won't call your sister really? What's the reason why you don't get on with your family 
really? What's the reason why you don't trust him? Really? Because I believe that as we start to ask the really question, you start to become the wise person that sees the danger on the horizon, that can see the trouble coming before it even lands at your door. And for you to end up in life at the place where you wanna be, it's rooted in essence in the decision-making abilities that you possess within you. So if you wanna end up in a good place, it's gonna take some good decisions. And if you wanna make some good decisions, you're gonna have to learn the art of asking the really question so that you can see danger before it ever gets to you. Don't be like Jehoiakim. Don't be like Jehoiachim. Don't be like all of these kings that just refused to listen to the people in their world. Don't shut your mum out. Don't shut your Christian friends out. Don't shut your life group leader out. Don't shut your worship leader out. Like these people, they love you and they can see that you've got blind spots in your life and stuff can take you out. And all the time you're selling yourself a bad idea. Everybody else around you can see that this isn't gonna lead anywhere good. So learn the art of asking the really question. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.